0: Hello everyone and welcome to Women Decode STEM Season 2. I am your host Neha Savanur, and in this season I will be talking to entrepreneurs from around the world. These visionaries have remarkable journeys that they will be sharing with us. Asra Nadeem is the first female Pakistani venture capitalist and a global speaker. She is the president at Draper University a well-known pre-accelerator and incubator in Silicon Valley. Adding to her list of accomplishments, she's co-founded Opus AI, a deep tech company whose proprietary technology turns text into movies and 3D scenes in real time. Hi, Asra. Welcome to the show. So excited to have you here.
1: Thank you for having me, Neha. I'm excited too.
0: Uh, looking at all of your accomplishments today, I feel like you're an inspiration to every woman around the world, uh, but I'm very curious to learn about your journey. Where did you get started? What was your first job?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. I <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet, but I would be an inspiration to many, but I would love to share um, where I started. I started on my first job was actually... I'm self-employed myself, and I started on something called MIRC, which was a chat, uh, a really a chat a long time ago, very early days of the internet, and it connected me to a whole bunch of people all around the world, and I was like, oh, this is cool, and as I was talking to them, I realized I can literally build something that's like e-commerce, what do we now call e-commerce? And what I did was I started getting my friends who lived abroad to send fancy chocolates to Pakistan. And then I would sell those fancy chocolates to my friends, people in school, and then people heard about it. And then it just kind of grew from there. But that was my first job.
0: <laughs> that's an interesting job, and chocolates. That's fascinating.
1: Yeah, because in Pakistan you don't get. Um, obviously now you do, but uh, way back when there's like, oh, you don't get like American chocolate or british chocolates or swiss chocolates and they were a big deal and also people date under the table like nobody's allowed to date so it's like a muslim culture so you can't really date openly um well now you can to a certain extent back then you couldn't so a lot of people would like you know sneakily send gifts to their sweethearts and that was great for my business because i was a girl i could go to anybody's house and (laughs) deliver chocolate
0: Networking is an extremely powerful tool not only for finding job opportunities and advisors, but also in long-term career success. With Asra's experience of working with startups all over the world, including Southeast Asia, Middle East, North Africa and North America, to now becoming an investor herself, it would be interesting to know how efficient networking has been for her. So, I know that you started off in Pakistan, but you have been working in different parts of the world. Um, how did you end up in the Bay Area? And very specifically, how did you end up in the director's position at Draper University?
1: Yeah. So, um, my first job out of college, um, I was hired to do customer service for this product that they were just building. It was a matchmaking website for Muslims. And I was like, it was a weekend job. I was like, Oh no, um, you guys don't know. That's not what your customers are saying. No, that's all your customers are saying. Mm-hmm. And very quickly I was hired full time. And, um, interestingly, I became a product manager for that product and, uh, we raised money from Tim Draper, uh, to quite a few different, um, so like two or three different venture capitalists in the valley uh, because the CEO was from Stanford. So that's kind of was my first connection way back when. And then I moved to the Dubai, worked there, lived in Canada, worked there. But uh, once I moved to Canada, I took like a year off where I did not do anything for the first time in my twenty. 20- eight years or something. <laughs> and I didn't do anything. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, what do I want to do next? Where I want to be? And I sent an email to Tim Draper because um, I kind of, I didn't know him in person, but I kind of knew him because our relationship with him in the past. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I'm starting this like early, very early stage, quick accelerator And why don't you come check it out? So I came down here in 2015 and I kind of never went back. And I've always felt that technology is a great enabler to financial freedom that then elevates all the other freedoms in your life and working with entrepreneurs from all over the world kind of gave me that opportunity to when I started I was like if I because I've always worked with startups Mm -hmm. so if I work with startups I can there's growth but there's only so much that's going to happen and then if I work here I can multiply that by Ten or twenty, because I get to work with more people, and then also I didn't know anything about venture capital, and I've always been interested in how do people how do people become wealthy,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: how do people get rich, and that was something nobody talks about. This, especially like women, don't talk about money, and the culture that I come from, you never talk about money, and um, yeah, so that's how I landed here, and then kind of worked my way through it. We've raised a fund. And very, and the last five years, one thing I've learned is that I actually don't like managing other people's money. I just want my own money. (laughs) So while investing in like venture capital is like, it sounds glamorous. It's not very glamorous. It could be, but it's not glamorous for me. And there are so many other ways that you can invest your money or you can still be connected with startups that you don't necessarily have to be in venture capital. And that kind of, um, Last year, got me back to my roots of building something. You should never be scared of trying new things. But also, you have to make opportunities for yourself. And once you kind of figure out, okay, this is what I want, most of the opportunities that I've had in my life have come through just reaching out to people. I have never built a profile on LinkedIn. I have never built a profile or like a resume or a CV. I just kind of reach out to people and send them cold emails, which are very um, relevant to what they're doing or what they're saying or how I can be a part of it or why I'm interested in something. And 50 to 60% of the times it's work. Mm -hmm. Which I think is, um, and again, I don't separate my personal life and my professional life. I just think it's my life. I just think of it as one consolidated life. And everything that I do, I kind of just do it for my life. And it kind of stems from there that it's a progression of things that I want to accomplish. And it's not like, oh, in my personal life, I want to be this person, but Mm -hmm. in my your know work life I want to be this other person
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense and that's some great advice first you set goals for yourself then you know who you have to reach out to in order to fulfill those goals or seek mm-hmm. help so yeah that's very organized and it's a part of your wholesome life like there's no differentiation between professional and personal life like you said and mm-hmm. I think I'm seeing that um, as I have come out of the corporate world now and kind of setting my own goals. I I can relate to what you're saying. And you said um, last year you started building on your own. So can you tell us a little bit about your company, Opus AI, and what your vision with it is?
1: Yeah, of course. So with Opus, um, it's essentially we're building a streaming platform, but at the back of it, it has a AI technology, and what it does is that as you're writing a text, it converts that text into a movie. And it sounds very like, ooh, magical. And this is and it's isn't it even possible. It's a, it's a deep tech problem. There's a lot of things you have to solve for before we get there, but we've been able to make a lot of progress. And it kind of stems from again, my believe that technology is a great enabler. And I think human beings were not designed to wake up and do repetitive tasks every single day. Nobody goes to college or nobody wakes up and is like excited about, oh, today I'm going to make, you know, I'll do all these clicks in a box or today I'm going to go through this like, you know, financial document and just like check boxes. That's not exciting for anybody. And uh, a lot of those things can be automated, but what gets what's gotten lost in everything that we've built with technology in the last couple of years is storytelling. We have so many amazing stories in different cultures because most cultures are story-driven. Writing or uh, knowledge transfer is done through stories, and they get lost in uh, popular media, Because there is no incentive for advertisers. And it's really hard to build things, right? It's really hard to do CGI. It's really hard to build a game. It's really hard to build simulations. And that's kind of where we started. So we started with building a game, and we realized that the biggest bottleneck was actually the environment design Mm -hmm. or designing the actual 3D space or the world. And from there, it kind of just, um, morphed into what we're doing now but essentially we want to take all the books in the world that we enjoy or other people enjoy and convert them into movies in real time and have them on a streaming platform for people to watch. That sounds fascinating. I, I am eagerly waiting for that to come out.
0: I'm sure it takes a lot of work but the end result would be life-changing for a
1: lot of people. Definitely. Um, so right now, we're, um, so we're targeting early next year to launch our first movie. And the system can already generate um, a lot of things that were previously not possible or previously took three to four months to do. So it's pretty exciting. Yes,
0: it is. So do you think um, with Opus AI and AI technology in general, the storytelling methodology is going to change and
1: break cultural barriers? A hundred percent. Um, we've already seen that happen, right? So for example, you now see, um, everybody has access to Japanese anime or more and more people watch Bollywood movies on Netflix, Mm -hmm. or we're now seeing this like cross cultural, um, we're seeing this overlap in uh, storytelling. But the thing is that the tools for telling those stories have not changed in uh, quite a while. And those tools have become harder and harder. So to produce a movie, somebody like Netflix is probably spending over $150,000 a minute or uh, Walt Disney spends like a couple of million dollars per minute. Mm -hmm. And you and I don't have access to that. And what happens then is that we're either left with stories that somebody wants us to know or the stories that we grew up with, kind of, there's no way of telling them. And I think with new technologies emerging, that's going to be more and more and you see it across, right? So you see people telling different stories on, uh, YouTube has made it possible for people to just pick up a camera and tell a story. Mm. Um, Twitch, you can play a game and connect with your audience and tell stories. TikTok, you can tell stories and dance or movement. So there's a lot that's already happening. And I think once we start automating the tools that we use and give them to people who are mobile first or who never, um, it's like, you know, how your codeless tech has changed. Similarly, once you do like clickless design or you do automation and design, a whole new world opens up.
0: Advanced technology has made it possible to bring innovative ideas to life at the intersection of multiple disciplines. For example, at the intersection of finance and technology, companies like Robinhood, Stripe and Moneylion are making it easier to handle payments, personal banking accounts, investments. Similarly, the entertainment industry is seeing innovation that is changing storytelling and breaking cultural barriers. Clearly, AI is playing a crucial role in the future of entertainment and media.
1: Even with Opus, right, the problems that we're solving, nobody in the entertainment industry can solve that problem. So Mm -hmm. people that we're working with are mathematicians, are linguists linguists are physicists. So all of these problems are hardcore science problems. So these are physics, mathematics, language, um, social construct, geometry. A lot of these things go into building actual artificial intelligence or even machine learning is a lot of data um, patterns and statistics. So there are careers that are going to open up. And I think STEM is going, people who are in STEM currently have a great opportunity to consolidating their personal and professional life. So you could could like the arts, but also like physics, and there's never been a way to merge the two. And I think AI kind of, or building these like advanced systems gives you that option to work on exciting things that were previously not possible. We're at the very early stages of what we can do with neural networks or generative design and all of these things. So it's very, very early and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So I think we're going to create some very interesting jobs in the market for people who are interested in a career in uh, applied AI. Astra is
0: also an angel investor focusing on founders automating the future with artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I decided to ask her the one question I know every entrepreneur wants to know. How do investors decide which company to invest in?
1: One of the things that I didn't know 5 years ago and that I also kind of learned as I started investing or as i started working with other investors is that every investor has something called an investment thesis and that investment thesis defines what they invest in so as a founder you might think that oh the astra is awesome and she's going i should go her my blockchain company but i don't invest in blockchain mm-hmm. so a lot of work that goes into fundraising is actually done before you start fundraising. when you start finding people who are relevant to what you're working on so they either have an investment thesis that matches what you're doing they have um, and it's easy to find that if you go on their website you can see it Um, you can see it in the portfolio companies you can see it in uh, on Crunchbase or AngelList etc people talk about things that they like all the time on Twitter VCs are some of the most vocal uh, people on Twitter so it's pretty easy easy to go there and kind of learn more about them and then once you're reaching out to them personalize your reach out to make sure that um, there's a higher probability of a good founder investor match and uh i think that's very important okay yeah that makes a lot of sense i had no idea about that
0: as well um that's very informative thank you and do you have any pointers for founders who are outside of uh, the bay area where there is not a huge ecosystem of startups or investors how do they connect with uh, people to find answers
1: answers or money
0: um both <laughs> like money and answers in terms of like how how do they grow and like what what is their next step
1: i think there is a People are extremely open to sharing information, especially if you are on Twitter or if you are if you reach out to people with a very specific question or ask and it's based on something that they said before, the likelihood of getting a reply is much higher. And in terms of accessing money, uh, a lot of this, a ton of angel investors and how angel investment works is that in order to be an angel investor, you need to earn either 200,000 as an individual, 300,000 as a family, or your net worth should should be over 100,000, sorry, over over a million minus your um, house or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, a ton of people who work at Google or Facebook or like, so you're a big they fall into that category. So even if you know people who work at Google or like Facebook and you know that they're at a position where they would be making that kind of money, you can reach out to them and ask them to write you a $5,000 check or, you know, a $3,000 check, and then they become champions and connect you to other people. Mm -hmm. So I think angel investors are still very under explored like not a lot of people reach out to them because a lot of people um, don't know how angel investing works so if you can kind of it's, investing is like herding cattle right <laughs> so you have to get them like in the pen at the same time so but a great way to start is just starting with reaching out to people sometimes I reach out to people who have the same background as I do right so people who either grew up in Pakistan or have some sort of Pakistani heritage or India Mm -hmm. or who've lived in Dubai who've lived in Vancouver and I am like hey this is something we have in common and what did you think about like and then they should have done something like just heritage is not enough they either have said something or done something that's relevant to me and when I reach out to them Uh, the likelihood of getting a reply is pretty high.
0: Yeah, I think I've seen that happen with myself as well. It's easier to, and you feel more relatable and easy to connect with people you have some commonality with. And another, um, like uh, on all these forums where startup founders like connect, um, one of the common questions I've seen people ask is when is the right time to raise funds? So in your opinion, uh,
1: what is the answer
0: to this question?
1: I think there's no universal answer because people have such different um, circumstances, right? So if you are somebody whose parents can, if you can afford to live in your parents garage and your parents can give you seed money or you have rich, like, you know, when people say, Oh, we did a friends and family round. I'm like, my friends and family cannot put together a hundred thousand or like even a thousand dollars would be a stretch for my friends and family right? Yeah. Because my friends and family live in Pakistan where $1 is 160 rupees. Right. So, so I think it's, it's a very, very circumstance. Like it depends on people. Um, you can raise money. Again, it's like raising money is not easy. It's hard to raise money. It's hard to raise money when you don't have a network but think of it as sales, right? It's sales process. You're selling a part of your company on a future promise to people and they're people who, whose job it is to buy that. So don't take the nose personally, but have a strategy for it. And then when you raise money is when you need it. The later you raise money, the more, um, like if you have traction, if you have proof points, uh that's better but not everybody has that option right sometimes people build something and that's it they need to raise money because they can't afford to to live and that's kind of when you raise money um also not every business needs venture capital um venture capital is very expensive money and it only goes to a certain type of business so business where they can see 50x, 100x, you know, 200x growth, that's kind of where they want to invest. Um, so it's just like understanding what invest investors are looking for, looking at their investment thesis, that should help. But there is no like, oh, this is the perfect time to raise money. It's not.
0: Okay. I think it um, gives a lot of things that a founder has to think about before mm-hmm evaluating whether they need the funds and when they need it, how much they need. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: And sometimes it doesn't hurt to like, you know, build a relationship with people. So for example, um, like if you're building something, you can start showing it around to people and say, we're not fundraising right now, but we want to show this to you, get your feedback and then keep you in the loop. Like, you know, it's hard when you don't have a network, it's hard to get a check in one meeting. You have to build that network or build that trust with people, so sending them quarterly updates or you know keeping them updated on the progress that you're making, that's a great way to build that network and build that trust.:
0: That makes a lot of sense. yeah. Building the network itself takes a lot of time,
1: and connecting
0: with the right people for sure will take you. Um, a long time to find the right people and have the right conversations. So yeah, having that um, timely updates would probably help strengthen the relationship.
1: Yeah, and then you just do most of the work in the beginning, right? So let's say you're building a, you're building a product that's for children, and mm-hmm. you're selling. Your target is selling to parents. You're not going to sell this. You're not going to go to single people and try to sell them the product. Right. You, because you're not going to waste your time with that. Same goes for investors. You don't want to go to investors who don't invest in products that are for children, who don't invest in whatever market you're after or whatever business model you're after. And you do, you do the initial work. You build a funnel and then you just go after that funnel.
0: Thank you, Astra. Um, those, uh, those were the questions I had for you today. But before we let you go, I have a small rapid fire round. Of course. Okay, let's go. Um, first question for you. Can you describe yourself in one word? I'm my own favorite person. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people say that. So it's good to hear people saying that. Yeah. Oh,
1: I'm my favorite person.
0: <laughs> okay, second question. Uh, one person you look up to. My husband. Okay. That's a good thing to have, actually, your partner, looking up to your partner, inspiring each other.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um,
0: last question. Uh, one favorite book?
1: Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was the rapid fire, Astra. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. This was fun.
0: Yeah, this was really nice. And you gave us a lot of information. Thank you so much.
1: I'm happy to do that. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for listening to Women Deco at STEM. If you're new here, please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on iTunes. It helps me get my message out to a wider audience. All the social links to my guests are in the show notes. I will talk to you next week. Until then, I hope you have a great day and the rest of the week ahead. Bye.